just become a great big list of things to do and buy and fix. At night we pass out before ten. Are we ever gonna have sex again? I looked for your it today. Seemed that it had gone away. Ain't been used since who knows when. Are we ever gonna have sex again? We used to be triple X rated. Look at us now. So domesticated. Don't you hate it? What happened to Babe and Stud? Too much KFC. Uh, no, Joe, we're never going to have sex again. <laughs> uh yeah that was a 2003s are we ever gonna have sex again by amy rigby uh i just heard this song today joe and it amused me no what fuck you you can't hear me i can hear you taylor then i can i can hear you fine i should tell you hi everyone i should tell you that whatever i heard of the song it was like only every third second so that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, Discord be like that. You can try turning off noise canceling or I can. I can't, I forget. Nah, it's fine. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Wait. Hi. Taylor's here. Hi. Could you, you might hear... remember me you... from. Wait, Paul, you can you hear me? You can hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. just, I had two blips where both of you cut out in short succession. I it's see. Been five uh, well, that song that, that song that no one heard is Amy Rigby's. <laughs> Are we ever going to have sex again? Uh, which I amused me today when I heard it on a internet radio show that I really enjoy called Pop Songs Your New Boyfriend's Too Stupid to Know About. Well, uh, I'm too stupid to know about that, and I'm a new boyfriend. There that's, you go. It's that's a an perfect show. But if you like uh, good indie pop songs from the 2000s, uh, it's a... Uh, good place to find them uh is that a good song to listen to with your new boyfriend uh you know i think uh i think the yes yes because you 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 get a glimpse into the future as amy says what happened to babe and stud too much kfc and bud i shouted out to the wind are we ever going to have sex again yeah screw me no, i love. agree it's it's a it's a dark portent of the future that yeah know, to, to set you straight it's the prequel to just somebody i used to know but the, it, it ends on a dark note don't make me go to other men are we ever going to have sex again hey it's the final man. line so it's, she she uh it's says, real says it's not a joke uh no, amy, it's not a joke amy not a uh, joke. needs her sex itch is not scratch. a joke people <laughs> never it's not funny. on a very special savage beast sex is not <laughs> a joke uh yeah um Paul tried to do this, but uh, I cut him off. I'll do it now. Uh, welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, with me, as always, uh, never having sex with me again, Paul McLeod. Hey. And uh, with us occasionally, uh, never um, going no, to going. It's fine. have Yeah, you're there. You're almost there. Sex. Uh, in, uh, 
Bring it home. Come on. <laughs> Draw this out more. <laughs> nah, never. He's never going to uh, hike into a narrow slot canyon again with us, mm, uh, which is a, a metaphor for sex. It's Taylor Sean. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I'm never going to do that again. I was going to ask, is it possible? No. I'm going to have to <laughs> slot that canyon with other men. I mean, look, you put on the dry pants once, you walk down the canyon. like You finally landed that, Joe. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Hi, everybody. I'm never gonna put on, I'm never going to hike the canyon again. You might, put out, you might put on uh, dry pants again. You never know. Uh, yeah, you're right. There's some circumstance. Say the Everglades. Would you, would you tour the Everglades? I think so, yeah. Yeah. There we go. On an airboat. Like, like, you know, you could do the, the whole, uh, SVU thing. I, th- yeah. I guess dry pants, dry pants mean in the other place, that's probably not a thing. Oh uh, yeah, probably that's just, the one. You're probably just still gator bait with that on or Python bait these days. I mean, I don't think the, the dry pants never promised to protect you from the venom and the teeth. It was just like right, your right. pants will be dry. Yeah. It's a, my it's pants, a single issue pants. And my pants weren't really that dry. No, not even remotely. It no. was more like you just uh, weren't freezing your ass off. Yes, it did, did have that effect. Once again, the dry pants have failed me. So this is a music podcast, right? No. Uh, no? Uh, no? Okay. All right. Uh, it could be, uh, depending. Um, it could just be bros chatting. Yeah, bros we can talk about, talk about some music. Speaking of sex, uh, I watched the Netflix film uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue last night. Yeah. Uh, based on a romance novel, a popular oh. one. Not like, but you know, like now, romance novel used to be like, it used to have like, you know, uh, you know, this flowery cover on it and just be very like rote and uh, by the like formulaic. But now it's like all sorts of different there's like eight thousand genres of it now uh so like on a scale from zero to penthouse letter how porny is it well the the novel this so this novel which is about the son of a u.s president the president here played by with thurman uh it's a like a and uh, she's got my vote Yes, uh, although she's doing a horrific Texas accent in this movie. I mean, really, oh, really bad. No. Oh, no. Um, and just so bad. Um, married to a great character actor in it, though, who was like the illegal immigrant turned first man. I can't think of his name. I'll look it up. You guys, I'm sure you guys <laughs> like him. Um, uh, her son, like who's like 25 or so, uh, goes from... Enemies to frenemies to uh, lovers, lovers with uh, a sort of Prince Harry stand-in, mm. um, uh, mm. the British emperor, and uh, uh, from the the British royalty. And the um, the sexiest scene is like they have been giving each other. They've been like giving each other head. Like when they've been hooking up, and you've this implied by you know the the uh, the the literal head disappearing from sc- you know going down, disappearing from screen. We uh, want some oral, but we want it to be but, tasteful. But yeah, but then well, you know, the camera stays focused on the abs, which is really what the audience wants to see. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, 
But then the climactic sex scene is the first time the president's son penetrates the prince. And it's very, very romantic. Very uh, missionary, missionary gay love. Um, Like it's like it's you're supposed to be like. Like feeling like man, how su- this is like sweet, passionate lovemaking. Yes, this is what right. Yes, they've taken their lovemaking to the next level, and really committed. Okay, mm. hey. yeah. it appears the character actor you were speaking of is Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah, I've seen him in something else. Yeah, you got you got to give me. Oh, he's something. in some star. He's in one of the Star Trek movies, the 2009 one. So, then man, he's, not- he's in something else I've seen. He's, he's in Traffic, stuff. which I have seen. I think he's the, the the like squirrely assassin in that movie who has like one scene. I'm just I, also... I know Star Trek 09 pretty well, and I'm just trying to think like who could he be playing? Because he's not one of the main. He's not one of the uh, rebooted cast. Il. I have no idea who that is. Hold on, I gotta I gotta see. I gotta it's, figure. It seems I, like it's a small role. I gotta figure out what I know him from. He's like the twentieth guy on the masthead. It's like, is, is it a smaller part than Tyler Perry? That's Oh, he that's was in, okay, so he was in Westworld a bunch. Oh. Uh, okay. Who does it say yeah. he played? He played Lawrence and El Lazo. I can't, I don't remember what any of the characters are named in that show anymore. I don't blame so, you. Yeah, yeah. I stopped watching, I stopped watching that's, after that's, season that's, two, so I can't. Yeah, he was in that, he was in the first two seasons, because that's the really one I watched. That's what I remember. Oh, maybe, oh. is he the cowboy that... Like dies all the time. Yes, I, I, I know that's not helpful. <laughs> I think he is. Yeah, but, but but in the in the first in the first episode where they have to like rejigger the scenario and it's like, how do we do this? And so he oh gets, yes, he is that guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then you and yep. then you see him. Tessa Thompson is like using him as a sex doll. Yep, I, I don't remember that part. But yeah, he's he's getting hung here. He's getting dragged along by the man in black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of slightly shifty-looking Mexican guy in the in Westworld. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> he could have any race could be shifty-looking. This guy happens to be both of those two things. Excellent defense, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> what? Look, all Proof the races are shifty. <laughs> uh, have you? Do you? Do any of you remember the Steve Martin? This is so. This is a deep cut. The Steve Martin essay. Uh, in search of the wily Filipino. Uh, no. Vaguely, vaguely. No, it, there's he. It's one of his New Yorker essays that he collected in his collection, um, and uh, he's just like riffing on. Uh, Marlon Brando was on like the Tonight Show, and he's like talking about you know all the stereotypical racial characters he's played. You know, you that people have played in Hollywood, like you know the Italian mafioso or the. Uh, the angry Irishman or something. And then he says, or the wily Filipino. <laughs> so Steve Martin is like, <laughs> writes a whole essay about like, what the, f- basically like, you know, trying to figure out what the f- wily Filipino would be. So anyway, that God, came to mind. He is mm. like, God damn. <laughs> just like, there, there's, but it, is, it there's, just cracks me up that Marlon Brando is like, Oh, the wily Filipino. We all know. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, it's the same thing. Wasn't there, God, King Tut went viral, like, I don't know, six months or a year ago, because someone's like, explain to me why this is funny. And like the clip didn't give the crucial context of him being like his sincere plea for more understanding and cultural acceptance. And then he has this 
brazenly over-the-top ridiculous number, and it's like, that's the joke. So by airing half the joke, you have defeated <laughs> the, you've just created clickbait traffic. So Airing you, half of I the guess. joke from exactly. the joke from like 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, even though it is, in fact, still funny. Um uh rap bringing this home uh the movie the the dramatic climax of the movie uh Stephen Fry shows up as the king of England nice mm. yeah always good to get some fry yes which which king just like a generic king or, is, or any, or any of them yes they have changed the uh uh it's an alternate history ah yeah i that's i want to live in the alternate history where Stephen Fry is king of England that yes, rocks. unfortunately, he's a very backwards uh, king who is uh, not a fan of the homosexuals, as he says. Okay, then I choose the King Ralph alternate time. Yes, there we go. I, Much better. Man, like all this shit gets rebooted. We can't have a King Ralph follow up with like even fatter. Jo- actually, that's not fair. John Goodman's actually much thinner than he was before. But fine, thin John Goodman. That's still fine. Like I want the I want the King Ralph sequel where it's like, look, man, we tried. I know you quit, but we need you to come back. <laughs> no, let's let's get the King Ralph. Yeah, it's got to be a King Ralph show. Like, let me watch six episodes of that. That would be an amazing show. Like, he's yeah. just the main character of a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, and he's the king, and he's like, "Look, man, I don't even want to do this." And then I don't know, shit happens. Like, yeah, we can I, we can I, write I would this. Watch that. We can write this pilot. We can pitch this to somebody. I mean, it's Faulty Towers it. starring the King of England uh, as a fat guy. I think we'd need. I think we'd need a new. Uh, a new King Ralph and John Goodman could come in as a different role, like they did actually, in Wednesday. Where actually, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. We have him. He can be the father of the future king, right? He abdicated, but that you know his son would still be a prince. So there you go. Just have him be like the yeah man. I did this job for like two months. Good luck, kid. <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. He is king. So this is like the show is King Ralph the second. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we need to get some. It, you know what? America is ready for a new fat comedy star. His son is tired of Jonah his Hill. His son is Stav. So. It's gotta be Stav. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, Stavros Halkius as King Ralph II is actually perfect. Oh man, we gotta. We we have to pitch this to him somehow, even if we get the, no, no money he, or credit. No, 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 I'm a subscriber to his Patreon. You can just do call into one of his call-in shows. Oh, that's a good call. I like it. You subscribed to his Patreon? Yes, it's a, it's, it's like one third of Come Town content. Like I, you know, it's it's scratching the itch. Yeah, you just but you've betrayed the. I subscribed to the Adam Friedland show as well. <laughs> it can only be one. You have to pick a side. No, it's. <laughs> Uh, when the Savage Adam... Beast breaks up, I encourage everybody to subscribe to both of us. Yeah, for zero do- Split your zero dollars infinite ways. Yes. Um... You know, the, pa- the Patreon <laughs> pledge of a dollar a month, it's just like, you know what? You, you can have it. It's okay. Yeah, these are, these are $5 a month pledges. Yeah, the so $5 like, tier yeah. is, it does add up. Yeah, it does. But, you know, for the greatest podcasters of all time, I'll pay it. That's true. Anymore. Um, but wait a minute. What happens at the end? Does does peace, love, and understanding prevail, or what? In King Ralph. <laughs> oh, red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. The stakes are uh, surprisingly low, and they survive the minor scandal uh, because 
um, it America's seems totally like ready for maybe the Br- maybe the British deep state is going to break them up, but uh, they um, spontaneous crowds show up at like Buckingham Palace waving rainbow flags uh, because it's like been leaked to the public. Uh, the good thing is it's leaked to the public by the Politico reporter that the um, the first lad was previously banging. <laughs> and he <laughs> gets jealous and leaks the email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and in the in this the the and then the ending the real ending is that for some reason the first lad also emailed a Texas strategy to like. Uh, like his mother's campaign manager and they end up winning the election because he like registered a bunch of voters in texas uh it's okay yeah it's kind of uh that's that i I know i'm saying this about the netflix gay rom-com movie british but needlessly complicated (laughs) it does sound that way yeah it's surprisingly uh yes it's complicated and also uh very straightforward you're watching it so like yeah i wouldn't give a shit about the uh the first son you know having gay sex but uh with the monarchy um this is america buddy i'm not i'm not i'm not so sure i'm okay with that you know straight relationships same thing we can't be having any princesses in the uh in the white house i mean are you voting for texas uma thurman anyway uh, like I said, yes, it's Uma Thurman. She's like top tier. I mean, she is a goddess, even yeah. in a, even in I a mean, horrific Texas accent. We have a chance to have the hottest leader in the world since Cleopatra. You yeah. have to vote for that. Yeah, and they and they um they she would not be close between someone who looked like Uma Thurman and like some and generic Republican white dude like that guy. Oh would yeah, get crushed. Yeah, even someone handsome like uh, that Texas guy uh, Perry. What's his face? Rick yes. Perry, yeah, I'm saying even that guy would just pale in comparison oh, by look, with look, I, in I, I just not I, my I, type. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking issue with the description of him as handsome, but okay. he's reasonably handsome for a middle aged guy, pre- presidential candidate. Like compared to any of the rest of them, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, of who's the hottest it's a lot Republican? Who's the hottest Republican candidate of our time? I don't know. It's a look. Uh, Ron DeSantis. Oh, fuck that no <laughs> no what's his the vicky oh god uh, don't make me pronounce his name Raswami. is Vivek, R- is he hot he he's an attractive man what i actually he, don't know what he looks like google him I now he has swag google him now but i mean like he's a repulsive <laughs> human being but except wait, wait, but ramaswamy is the funniest name i'm sorry <laughs> this guy's not oh no this guy's not good looking though he's got a forehead he's, his forehead for, is bigger than the rest okay, of his face okay but for republicans for, for no he's actually on he's a political six and a half yeah okay, that's and funny. that and that's the standard we're we're going with here i mean think about it you got ted oh wait a minute isn't marco marco rubio is conventionally handsome or he was right before yeah. he started melting yeah, maybe. I mean, look, you're up maybe against like Christy. Briefly. You're up against Rudy. You're up against... Um, yeah. God, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Rudy. Like, face-melting Rudy. Uh, Mike Pence. Ted Cruz. Bobby, yeah, Bobby, Ted Cruz, my Bobby God. Bobby Jindal, maybe, was a little... I don't know. I, I mean, He was not as hot as Vivek. Yeah, that's, that's uh, the thing. That's true. Like, compared to Mike Pence, sure, but... What was, who was the really... Um, a really conservative woman from Minnesota, Michelle Bachman. 
There you go. Oh God, she's got the crazy eyes. No, she. she does. Yeah, she was like. She I don't was mean like that. Just a, a few way. degrees off from from being able to get it. Like just not quite right. She looked but like. I see where you're going. Uh, she, she just looked like a robot that wasn't assembled correctly. Which, yeah. again, compared to most Republican men, is still a compliment because most Republican <laughs> men are just like they're just ugly inside and out. Like you look at Mitch McConnell and you're like, you absolutely have the face and the body that you deserve. Like. Uh, yeah oh god you were decaying before our very eyes watching him deal with shitting his pants is the worst (laughs) it's like just pure horror to watch even though like you know if it could happen to anybody him great but like just watching it happen to any human being it's it's true it's it's like a larry david experiment that's gone way too far yeah it's just like a premonition of the future of your body just completely shutting down Um, unfortunately he decided to keep holding on to power in public while doing that but you know you know, his buddy's walking up being like, hey, you all right? He's just, just staring, just the, the million-yard stare into, into, oh. into oblivion. I like so the, bad. Uh, uh, I, and I like the theory that he pooped his pants. Oh, no, that's what he did. So, th- oh, wait, so that's the accepted of what's happened. That's what I th- accept. Well, I it he just looked had like, a, like it, here's, brain here's the thing, it, it looked like a giant brain. stroke to me, but then, like, within 30 minutes, he was completely fine, which that does not happen after that size of a stroke. So yeah, which, which instead, goes with the theory that he was just like white knuckle panicking as poop leaked out wow, of his butt. Wow, okay. Yeah. This is, that's, wow. Ale- I uh, asked Alex, who, I texted her who the hottest Republican is. She uh-huh. said she said Abraham Lincoln. True. Facts. Yeah. yeah. Six foot four, uh, which, you know, in today's height, that would be like six foot six. He would be massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, I mean, and we, we uh, got I, well, hold on, we got Eisenhower, we got Bush the first. I mean, we got <laughs> we got Eisenhower. You know, could lift, but you know, uh, the head shape was really not working out for that man. What about what about W like during the 2000 election before everything went gray? I mean, some you know people, he's like yeah, politics six. You know, six uh, and a half. Yeah, maybe. fair enough. Uh, not like stunning. But, you know, uh, the the hottest of all time was supposedly, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, fuck. Warren Harding. At the time, considered you, a total babe. Are you serious? Mm. Yes, he was considered a complete babe. I've just always considered him one of the presidents from that Simpsons sketch. Like They're just like in the middle, and who cares? Oh, God. He does not look like a babe. Yeah. That's... No. At the time, this was considered like the pinnacle of male attractiveness. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt's right there, but okay, sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, but I see Abe Lincoln, especially if you put him in the modern era, he'd be less gaunt, which, you know, he looks good with all the bones sticking out, but actually he has the structure to hold some flesh. He would be, he would be a good looking man. I mean, isn't, I mean, isn't John Fetterman basically just a bald Abe Lincoln? Like, um, he's very tall. Right, he's, he's got the beard. He's got the very distinct features. He's, he's a, like, but he's like the size of two Abe Lincolns. Wasn't Abe Lincoln uh, very tall? No, no, he was, but also just like width-wise, Fetterman has oh, uh, that's three true. times the flesh. That, of Abe Lincoln. Okay, no, no yeah. argument. But you're actually right. Facial feature-wise, not totally far off. True. As I'm looking at it. This, this uh, has gone down a weird this path, is a gentlemen. Music podcast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, good version perfume geniuses cover of I can't help falling in love with you was in this movie and uh, it's real good that's probably the best part of the movie that song 
<laughs> Perfume genius. Good at a uh, good at a uh, gay. I mean, uh, Stephen Fry hamming yeah, St- Stephen Fry hamming it up as as a homophobic king of England. That could be fun. Yes. Maybe it's maybe it's not, but oh, it is. Yeah, and the gay sex, of course, very fun. Well, very mm-hmm. fun. but tasteful. Did it? Tasteful. I mean, without going into too much detail, was it you know conducive to the mood uh, in the Gallagher household, Gallagher Sharp? You know, was it? Uh, it uh, it was a lively. It was a lively film. Yeah. All you right. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's good looking men. <laughs> Everyone's juices get. Fl- <laughs> hey, you know, if we were to watch, if I were to watch a uh, a lesbian rom com. A lipstick lesbian rom-com, just being honest. Mm. Uh, with my woman, you know, it might get my juices flowing, so there you go. not the other way. There you go. Um, we've got to talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an exciting time for me because uh, it's been a three-and-a-half-year journey or so. But, like, as you may recall, my habit with exposing myself to new music is to just listen to, like, you know, at least consider – every uh album reviewed by pitchfork every day and early in the pandemic i fell way behind just because like it fucked with the routine of daily doing it at work and uh just was like months and months behind and uh due to my uh complete insanity i never actually gave up on it though and um after several you know attempts to uh, that you know would last you know for various periods to really catch up uh, earlier this year, I think maybe uh, February, March, I really set to it and developed a system where I could plow through these albums. And like as of today, I am caught up with Pitchfork and just able to listen to the new albums that come out each day. Um, so I have a l- playlist of uh, seventy tracks on my Cobuzz of all the albums I or all the albums I listened to that were like at least worth listening all the way to through and thinking about. Um, which was, which is a pretty ruthless cut because, well, I mean, so I really only started this, in, looks like in June of last year's, uh, albums, but like I, to get through it, I had to be like, you know, just willing to be like, oh, this song is boring me. Like, fuck it onto the next one. Um, very quickly with exactly. all these things. So fuck if you're on this list, on, you made it onto the next album or onto the next song, onto the, the next album. album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like some, some albums you were like. Um, you were within a song or two like this sucks yeah yeah so what i did is like in order to even make it efficient enough to get through the day and just like plow through these i started like during boring meetings where i'm just sitting there on zoom yeah uh you know listening to people i would just like i'd have the pitchfork uh album reviews page open which is an infinite scroll of just titles of albums and uh you know preview photos and i would just search each artist one by one uh going up through the list and then I would uh, add to the playlist the first track from that album that was in their like top played tracks, figuring right. that was going to be their best representation of the album. Um, and then you know, then I would just you know, when it was time for listening to music, uh, I would you know start just hit the playlist, and if a song was good enough to get my attention, I would you know go check out the album, which I was you know fairly easy enough to get me to at least go check out the album, um, unless I, it was just something I had no interest in. It. But then. Uh, you know, I tried to be ruthless once I was listening to the album. Like after, it, it would often be, you know, after the first two tracks, I'd be like, okay, and after the third track, I'd be like, I'm not even paying attention anymore, and then on to the next one. 
Um, so that was more or less the system. If you made it, if I made it all the way through, you probably stayed on the playlist just to commemorate, you know, what I listened to through all this. But do you feel like do you feel like the the uh, other than feeling needing to satisfy your insanity was this process worthwhile? Yeah, no, I have a list of you know since June of last year to now of. 70 albums that I think are pretty good, which is actually a surprising number to me. That's a very good um, rate of return, honestly. Yeah. Um, including, so like, you know, <laughs> good podcast material. We could just go through this playlist and <laughs> thoughts on each album. Um, speaking of which, have either of you listened to the new Blur? Uh, no, I keep, no. I keep hearing people say it's, people say it's good. It's actually good. Like, <gasps> shockingly, Blur has it hmm. still. I mean, actually, not that shockingly, because Damon Albarn has stayed you know at least decent all this time uh but it turns out blur can still put out like there were at least three tracks that i thought were awesome that's well, excellent damn. all right uh what's yeah. the what's the like quick review what are they what are they doing these days it's like it's been so long since i listened to blur a lot i want to say it's like it's got that old blur feeling of just like you know good melodic sort of uh uh alt-ish rock um and uh they just you know he can still write a song and they still sound good playing of course you know that's not surprising so what was the the pitchfork review uh i think they liked it they did yeah you got a song it's good we could we could play a song i mean i know taylor and i can't hear it but let us let us actually if you want to throw one in there throw it in there you want to listen on your own i will give me a moment talk amongst yourselves (laughs) you could actually talk this is your job oh god then why aren't you fucking paying me all right okay this is (laughs) gonna be this is gonna be barbaric by blur okay barbaric by blur and like uh certainly that one jumps out because like just the hook in the middle fucking kills it hits me hard they've he's still got it on that that was I mean, good right at the mean, very beginning the the sound was it i don't know just instantly the beat was happening i'm like yeah i'm in i'm in like let's see where this yeah. goes uh, i also recommend the first track the ballad 
uh, it is quite good as well. Immediately grabbed me when I listened mm. to this. Uh, glad they still got it. Uh, once again, a band that just does what they're good at. Yeah. Uh, find exactly. success in their middle age. Yeah. So anyway, Blur was good. They made my list. Um, what are some other interesting ones? Uh, love, to re- love to resurrect hot tapes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's see. Heinle is on here. We already talked about that. Um, um I don't know. Can I? Should I just play tracks? Or you guys have anything you? Want I feel to like talk we about? do. We have other tracks. Ta- we gotta. Well, I I like this idea for an episode, but uh, yeah, I feel maybe like a more gotta, organized episode. Yeah. Well, Paul, you gave uh, you gave me some homework, and then I had some K-pop that I wanted to play. Oh yeah, play your K-pop. Let's hear let's hear from our guest. All right, I'll play your K-pop actually right. is what I meant to say. Well, I could only to send it to you. Yes. You son of a bitch. All right. So t- Taylor intro this track while I look it up. So I was in a Manhattan McDonald's as as one does, and I saw either either a trans woman or a very emo man, I don't know, but let's just say they. They were there with a friend, also waiting for their McDonald's. And this individual had this black pink shirt on that just was like incredibly evocative. This person had like half pink, half black hair, fishnets. And again, this was lunch. This was like lunch near Union Square. And this person was just loud and proud. And I was like, you know, if you're going to wear a shirt like that with a band on the whole look, I'm going to look up that band. Like, let's just see. And from first track, this just grabbed me. I love the, uh, I love the mixes, the mix of different languages in it, which I know is a K-pop standard, but I don't know. It just grabbed me and I like it. And let's play it. Pink Venom by Blackpink. Solid beats, bro. You know, it just, it grabbed me. And I really, I have no idea what this song is about other than Blackpink rules, but I just, I can bop to it. I can be sad to it. I can be happy to it. It's, it matches (laughs) my mood, but not in a way that, don't know, just like it. 
and I wanted to ride the train before it gets, um, I don't know, used in some commercial or Marvel movie or trailer or something. It does have yeah. that. It does have that vibe. Uh, oh, it will absolutely be yeah. in a Marvel trailer. I mean, I think Blackpink is a uh, pretty fucking popular. Yeah, uh, I think they're pretty big, and, uh, and they they're good. Yeah, I mean, at K- least from that, K-pop is is generally pretty good. I mean, they took a lot of lessons from uh, good uh, American hip hop and they applied it to their pop music. I mean, obviously, some of it is not in that vein, but a lot of it is and when it is they they know what they're doing uh yeah and it was one of those interesting go ahead (laughs) sorry it was just one of those situations where here's someone wearing a band shirt loudly and proudly i've never heard the group but the shirt looks cool and just if the person was like i don't know i i without even i don't know who this person's name didn't even really interact with them at all but i was just like you know what okay like i'll i'll listen to this and in the era you know, as much as the future sucks, you can just pull out your app and get any song you want anytime. And I was bopping along the street while I was walking back to the office with my large Diet Coke. Nice. Yeah, yes. uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when we were youths, there was the wave of uh, Japanese culture inundating America, uh-huh. to which we all fell prey to one degree or another. Um, obviously, in video games, they just became mainstream. Like, everybody's mom knows Mario. Um but, you know, like uh, in film and in animation, of course, they achieved great things um, uh, in terms of things that we consume over here. And, uh, you know, so now then they've been somewhat supplanted for the new generation by Korea. And what's interesting to me is that uh, Japanese music never really blew up over here in America. But the Koreans fucking figured that shit out um, uh, while also doing movies like the Japanese did. I don't know. Random thought. No, you're right. I mean, uh, je- lots of Japanese culture broke through, but not the music. And Japan yeah. has a very big music scene, very big idol scene. You know, um, that's a whole thing. But it just didn't, never translated. And I don't know if it's because there was no boy band element. I don't know if you, I mean, there's also an element of, um, like, this is going to be awesome, but also self-parody when you think about, like, you know, I know Psy doesn't really fit in an easy box, but still that, you know, his song was a parody of K-pop. But as far as we were concerned, it was K-pop. We didn't understand what the hell he was saying, but it didn't matter because it was so catchy, right? And then... Yeah. So you're saying that... Uh, what are you saying that the uh, the Koreans did right? Fair enough. I'm going no, to ask- take the lead on this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying that they're popular. Right. Yes. Yes. True. Yeah. Um, at music. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, uh, you know, like the Japanese um, sort of took um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they they imitated Western art, but they they took a Western art form in the form of, you know, especially movies um, had been developed over here and they like did their own thing with it. And uh, but they never with pop music, they, you know, have all kinds of pop music they've made. And for indie people such as us, there are interesting bands like Boris and then Ryuchi Sakamoto and stuff. Right. But they never like achieved Boris. the teens are yes. listening to a status, which uh, Korea has with their wave. You know, they've the, the whole Korea wave has been going on for like 15 years or so, you know, probably peaking with them winning the Oscar for parasite, which is an awesome movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting. That's all it is. Uh, it's just interesting on savage beast. <laughs> 
yeah it's yeah it's, you know i just feel like teens today will would think about korea the way we, we thought of japan in the 90s and it's just funny how it's like slightly different though i wonder if part of it yeah. is also wait now i'm thinking about this because like anime really had its moment in the late 90s the 2000s it's, and obviously there's still a huge audience for it here but you also have animators and writers who are also writing with a western audience in mind and then you have the western cartoons also taking on those features as well right yeah i mean like everybody under 30 has watched a shitload of anime as far as i can tell right but with but the idea is that that's something that started as its own thing and then became more westernized or at least more mindful of the western audience versus if k-pop came in being like we see what they're doing in america or in england or wherever and we're gonna do it better but with a with an international audience in mind yeah no they've they've really synthesized some shit well uh with that it's it's like it's it's cool in that sense that like you can tell where they some of the ideas come from but it's all mixed up in a weird way because of you know their contribution to it which is a feature not a bug right it's it's yeah oh yeah yeah you know yeah they certainly have the they have the uh uh as i guess people creators throughout the world now they just have access to more content and more history of like popular popular culture popular music popular tv and then you know people can i don't know you're you're at advantage a hundred percent i was actually talking about this with my girlfriend about um uh (laughs) just about how uh younger people has a girlfriend yeah exactly i know i didn't mean to i I walked right into that (laughs) anyway um uh i was talking to her about how uh younger people yeah you, it's cool anyway um don't tell my wife uh but anyway um Melanie, turn off talking, the podcast. <laughs> i was talking about how um I'm, I'm not married everybody anyway um the i was talking about how um younger people seem to be able to have responded to the sort of ubiquity of streaming music by developing a taste uh in a way that we didn't really like they it seems to me like I know a lot of younger people who have just like completely random grab bag of things they like. And it'll be like Johnny Mitchell and Slipknot and Tyler, the creator Mm. and uh, somebody who's popular now, like Taylor Swift or something like that. And like they're all of these people, they have favorite tracks from, and it's just like whatever random things they happen to listen to with their algorithm or whoever they knew was telling them about things. And they really do seem to still grab from all eras, but it's in a very piecemeal kind of way, and it's very interesting. That is fascinating. I mean, I I've, I see that. I even see that on like uh, looking at like Radiohead, you know, the Radiohead subreddit. When people ask what are your other favorite bands, and you can see the younger people, like I, it's just even surprising to see like the array of like both hip hop and rock artists that they like, which of course we did too, but just. I, I, they're from all these different eras, like you said. It's yeah. It's, um, uh, there's something like about they'll think about like Neil Young and like the the Killers as you know equally valid things to be into. Just yes. Like. Yes. And they don't see this distinction. I don't know. I I, I get the sense that the the just because they're not in an era where there's like a competition for among artists like that on popular mediums of like radio or MTV, they have different distinctions of like what matters and what, what high art is or what, um, like what music is. If they even think of it that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, no, many people, I mean, you know, to be honest, most people don't really think about what is high art. And if they do, they're yeah. like, fuck those people who think about high art. Um, which is fair. But there are elitists, so. Oh, yeah. The children well, are elitist. still elitists, I mean. <laughs> well, no, no, wait, wait, hold, put, put the ideas together, right? It's like, who's thinking about high art? And if it is like, fuck those people. But these are the same people who will go way, way deep on a subreddit or whatever the equivalent is to really get into the fucking nitty gritty of something. And once you're at that level, isn't that high art, right? Like, well, I mean, obviously there's the separate issue of is it any good, but just like when people are that deep into it, into that much nuance, mm. and it's like, you know, you no, you go to the left on the 51st variation, for that we will never agree, and you're a Philistine, right? Like, Well, I don't know. This makes QAnon the finest art of our age. Um, you're but, saying, but Taylor, you're saying that like, now the the ultimate get uh compliment to bestow upon an artist is that you use your valuable time consuming like the your your valuable consent consumption time consuming content about them or creating content about them like that's you're how creating you content yeah, you're creating content you're, artist. you're spending your time re-listening to something and seeking out the new thing and new meaning of it in an era where all of culture for the most part is available on command. So yeah. time does become the most valuable commodity, at least in terms um, of I, what a consumer can spend. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, I agree with you. The, the extent to which art inspires uh, thought and reflection and lives on, even after you're experiencing it is a very good measure of how good it is. So to the degree that it inspires obsession and critique, uh, that's, that's kind of what art is supposed to do. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel like people as often now, think about it in terms of you know like is this respectable not like like so if i listen to um i don't know th there might have been a time it doesn't really happen anymore now that i think about it but where you know i might listen to something and be like this is fun but it's not like art actually i still think about that i think that all the time like uh say john wick very fun in its own way uh as artistically uh refined <laughs> or aesthetically refined as anything else out there but I don't really put it in the category of things that like move my soul. You know what I'm saying? And I wonder if people still think about that distinction and care about it uh, as like, to me, like there's a, like putting it in the, it moves my soul category for any art in any medium, like is like the highest place. And the thing that I think about as being the best and the most, the most rare thing. Um, and I value that. But do other people even care about that anymore with music, for instance, in the streaming era? I don't know. Maybe I'm just babbling. Well, I do think there is something, uh, I think people do care about it. I think there is a one difference is that when we were doing it, we had to do it to like then kind of go out and find other people that valued that same art, which was a challenge. And like it, now it's not a challenge at all to go mm -hmm. to find people to share that opinion. So then you are, you don't have to hold it uh, as closely to you. I know that's yeah. that's a little different from like the where, whether you make the distinction or not, but certainly that maybe people are a little less worried about that distinction because they don't need it as a. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. There's no one establishment your taste has to measure up to. Yeah, you exactly. Can find right, fellow travelers for entry into yes. Yes, and I, I think that is that is actually more or less yes. That makes a lot of sense to me. I do wonder uh, though, has the gatekeeping changed? Because it's easier than ever to find your people but what if your people are like no 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 you're you're a noob like you're 
you, you don't even know. <laughs> like you're a new Swifty, so you know, come back to me when you've when you've listened to every album of the eras before you saw the eras tour. I would suppose that that uh, that every fandom tends toward that as time accumulates. Um, that if you're on in on the ground floor, everybody's just excited, and if you come late, it's like the parable of the workers uh, coming late to the vint- to the vineyard in uh, the Gospels. Um, the the people who were there earlier get resentful, and you gotta you gotta prove yourself to them. Mm. Yes, mm. true. Yes, like I, if you just I jumped into the <laughs> what would happen? I don't know. What would happen if just like us at 15 with our appreciation of the pumpkins at 15 jumped into the pumpkins reddit now um and just started spouting opinions do you think people would make fun of us like probably yeah yeah man yes different it's a different world it's a different world yeah i guess the pumpkins reddit now actually likes their new music which is hilarious so uh, uh not even that not even that it's more like uh, everyone admits that it's not as good, but like, uh, it's like there's the faction that believes you still have to kind of be nice about it and appreciate it, and the the faction that believes you'd like just call it dog shit. And I think I, so I'm liter- in the, the faction that believes you must call it dog shit. Yeah. It's literally that Weezer sketch, but for pumpkins, yes. right? Where it's like no, they only made two. No, good it's albums. every band. <laughs> yeah, it's every band. I mean, the Weezer Except- is especially stark because they actually have two good albums. And yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, the, it's the same dichotomy of like, there's the Pumpkins before they broke up, and then there's the Pumpkins after. And there's a isn't there a fandom that's like you must always love them, and everyone's like, no, you have to say the new stuff is shit. It's just the old stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just like with the Pumpkins though. It's funny because like there was a long hiatus, and they did at least have five good albums before they broke up. Um, uh, but yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. the pumpkins came up on the podcast. What go. do you know? Where is that? Yeah, well, to 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 bring home the Holy Trinity. I mean, like if there are, <laughs> it doesn't have like Radiohead fans, like on the Radiohead subreddit, plenty of people say like their most recent album, A Moonshaped Pool, is their favorite, um, which I've actually been listening to more recently, and it's like that's totally cool. It, it, I totally believe that, and that is, uh, uh, it's a great album. If that's your favorite Radiohead album, I'm I'm all for it. So. It's a good enough album yeah. that I can respect that opinion. Yeah. 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 I mean, but they're they're different because they've just been slowly putting out a very narrow band worth quality of album for their entire career. Yeah. True. Um, although maybe they're not doing that anymore. It's not clear. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, did you have any other topics that you wanted to discuss? Why did you Why did you come on? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we had some other reason, but. I there mean, was something I feel like originally. Well, so the the origin was TJ. Hi, TJ. Uh, was down oh, on his TJ. voice, and we were all like, "No, like you have a really great announcer quality voice." And then uh, Joe, you said, "Like in fact, you're the best guest we've ever had." And I was like, "Gee, thanks a lot." And then you were just like, "Well, just come on the show." Like, but we're doing no preparation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, so you prepared nothing. Good. Good. No, well, excuse me, all Paul okay, Cloud well, gave me homework, and I listened to four out of five tracks. Oh yeah, we got to listen. Very to, much. We got to talk about that. Okay, wait, but first I want to point out I did look up the original uh, I am where you suggested that Taylor come on, and I'm going to read it to you now, Joe. Okay. It says I was actually thinking you should come on again, Taylor, but with no subject, just to bullshit as we do. 
I mean, we can talk about 90s music or whatever. God. So it worked. There you go. Yes. That is exactly what you envisioned. <laughs> I mean, Blur even came up as the first band that stuck out from my fucking list. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Steve Taylor. Uh, Taylor. Uh, Taylor. Our uh, guest. Tell me which track from Steve Taylor, the musical artist of the four you listen to, you would like me to play right now. Uh, one moment. I will pull up. This was also a little difficult um, because you sent me a Spotify list, which is totally acceptable, but that is not the music service I had. So I had to kind of oh. like piece it together. Which... You should have told me. I would have made it easier for you. Meh. It's all good. Wait, is this, is this the guy we listened to like on episode two? Yes. And okay. then like recently it came up. But oh, yeah, I, right. I, I, I sent it to Taylor because when I did that, you said you should send this to Taylor and see what he thinks about it. Oh, so there you go. There you go. Uh, we'll actually go with... Um, Am I in sync? The first track yes. you sent me. All right. This one actually did get played on the podcast before. Should we do our first ever repeat track, Joe? Let's do it. It's a long time ago. <laughs> well, tracks are still going from, Pink Fit, from Black Pink. Black Pink nice. will not be denied. <laughs> you okay. hear me, Steve Taylor? Here we go. Am I in Sync by Steve Taylor. Um, uh, Christian music legend from the 80s, for those who don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I did not, so. <laughs> he, um, you may know that he's probably best known to the public as, well, he's not known to the public for this, but the work he's most known is uh, uh, Kiss Me by Sixpence, Sixpence on the Richer. He produced that song. So yeah. there you go. Um, but anyway, Taylor, what were your thoughts, if you had any, on Christian music legend Steve Taylor? Uh, I did, I did. So I, I should say that, like a lot of 80s music, um, it instantly grabbed me. But by uh-huh. the time I got to track four or five, I was like, ah, this all kind of feels the same. Uh, and it's that's not terrible, right? Like, like it's enjoyable. But the first song, I was like, ooh, this is catchy. Like, yeah. And then the second one, I was like, yeah, it's still catchy. And then by three, I was like, 
okay. And then by four, I was like, Bleh. but the critical, interesting, the critical thing for me is that even though going in, I knew it was Christian music and. I mean, you know, you think of Creed, you think of, you think of Creed. <laughs> Creed sucks. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, so you think good. of uh, Jars of Clay, I think was another, I don't know. Um, yeah, Creed, it, Jars of Clay is much more like Steve Taylor than Creed is for maybe obscure reasons, uh, if you're not. Being... Well, but, but the idea was that like in listening to this, the beat was so good and the vocals were so 80s in a good way that, and the chorus had a really good hook. So it was like, am I actually listening to the words? Do the words matter or are they... You know, is this just like 80s K-pop, right? Yeah. Um, so I definitely enjoyed it. And if I think it, with the exception of, hold on, I'm looking at, okay, Sin for a Reason. Sin that, for a Season. Sorry, Sin for a Season. The, the theme came through. Uh, but for Am I in Sync on the Fritz, I think Drivey said, for some reason I skipped Jenny. I don't know why. Um, oh, man, that's too bad. I love Jenny. <laughs> to be honest, I love all of these five tracks. <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, it was just more like, I, I'm sure if I printed out the lyric sheet, I would be like, oh, there's the Jesus, but it was not obvious to me and it did not matter. Um, yeah. It was just like, well, he's an interesting guy because his Christian stuff is like, um, uh, he's, he, he spends a lot of time criticizing like, you know, Christians for being stupid too. Um, and doing some sort of like, uh, you know, these are the pathologies of contemporary Christian culture. And also he's just very funny. Um, if you, if you pay attention to the lyrics, but, um, uh, no, that's interesting that you said that. Yeah. So sin for a season, the theme definitely does come through. I'd love that song for whatever reason. It just really gets me. Um, and then Jenny, it's interesting that you skipped because that one, I actually find like a stupid moving small town drama, which is funny. It's got the Christian theme coming through. Uh, one track I didn't share on the list that I was just listening to today is, a. Uh, Call it's his the first track from his album uh, I predict 1990, which was released in 1987. That just cracks me up right there. Um, <laughs> Good title. And, <laughs> uh, uh, the first track is called I Blew Up the Clinic Real Good, and it's oh um, okay, <laughs> wow, Jesus. It's like a, it's from the perspective of an ice cream truck driver who is mad about the fact that the. <laughs> Abortion clinic is limiting the supply of children to be customers for him. So oh he, my God! He blows up the abortion clinic. Paul, Paul, you had me listen to songs from the sky beforehand, and you didn't include the ice cream yeah, abortion that was clinic a bombing. Real mistake. <laughs> I don't like the music quite as much on it as why, and I'm always a music first Who guy. But the... cares? <laughs> you yeah. buried so the I... fucking lead on this one. I was reading the lyrics though, and I was like, "This is actually great. Like, this is a, uh, it's actually sort of got a nuanced view on the question of <laughs> abortion." Are you listening clinics. to the words coming out of your mouth right now? <laughs> it's so funny. No, it's like it's like it's like a real poem. Uh, check it out. Listen to it. I could play it now, I guess. But you're gonna you're gonna fucking play it now. Is what you're gonna do? <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, do you have? <laughs> Let me find it. Yeah. My opinion on this guy remains the same as it was in like 2016, which is that I absolutely get like he's good enough that I can get why as a kid you're like I love this I'm getting in I'm gonna be into it forever just like kind of in your brain, 
but it's yeah. also like it's hard to get all the way back there at this like if you've never heard it before and aren't like, totally makes sense growing up in a small town <laughs> in a Christ, very christian family wow like, actually just, joe the you know, the description you're saying yeah that's exactly how i feel about don henley it's, <laughs> yeah, totally. well, in that like the don henley songs i know i'm like i can listen to this forever and then when i listen to like the hits that i never had heard of for whatever reason i'm just like uh, you know, I like I get it, but uh, and it's I don't think it has anything to do with the song's quality. I think it's just like if it hits you at a certain point, you're there, and otherwise, it's like yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I've got like my three Don Henley tracks, so we can move on. Yeah, I blew up the clinic real good by Steve Taylor. If it's a baby or a tissue blob, but if they run out of kids, I'll be out of a job. So I did my duty cleaning up the neighborhood. I blew up the clinic real good. And to that I say, preacher on a corner calling it a crime. Says the ends don't justify the means anytime. I stood up <laughs> on my van. I yelled, excuse me, sir. Ain't nothing wrong with this country that a few plastic explosives won't cure. <laughs> Do you think this is the kind of stuff... Al, Weird Al Yankovic writes, and then he has to like sigh and crunch up the paper and throw it away because he's like, "No, no, it's for the kids." Because <laughs> I'm sure he has written a few like this. Because like, oh my god! Like at first I was like, "Wow," but then like you read it, you're like, "Okay, no, I get, I get what he's going for here," and this that's really fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so no, he's sick. Like... It, it is funny. <laughs> I mean those those last two lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! No, I mean it's great because he does have enough perspective to be like, wow, a lot of these Christians are fucking insane. Um, and uh, yeah, he's he's actually willing to be funny about it, which I I can't stress to you enough how much in the '80s it seemed like there, you know, in the milieu I grew up in, there were not any funny, cool, interesting Christians. And uh, right. Yes. So for this guy to be doing this stuff at the time was actually in its way semi-punk rock within that 
that scene. I I yes. can totally see that. Yeah, the dweeb. This, even yeah. even though even though the the melody is honky tonk, but like the, these lyrics are very punk, very very yeah. punk. Like <laughs> holy shit, this guy is not a total dweeb. Yeah. Exactly. Well, also, I mean, Paul, from what you exp- what you described the song to be, which it was accurate. But I was just like, that sounds like the most offensive thing I've ever heard in my life. And then listening to the song, you're like, oh, I get it. I get what's happening here. This is awesome. Like, Yeah. <laughs> this is so sick, but it's awesome. Oh, man. No, that final line is so good. And you read it, and the, you're getting, you're like, the, you actually have to think about it, unlike most Christian music songs, which are just like, you know, save me, Lord, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I want to be saved by Jesus. I was saved by Jesus. The end, right? Like, I mean, that's... Where do you go from there? Indeed. Good one. Well, Good if you, if you, if that got to you, I suggest checking out Ginny, which also has uh, a more dark but interesting, uh, uh, but good story. I, you know, I will. So actually, oh. I, I, am remembering now the one, the thing that I actually wanted to talk about when we first talked about this weeks ago. Um, and honest to God, I don't know if we can. We can talk about it. I don't know if we can actually like play the comparisons because that will require preparation, which we did not do. But so, and that's fine. That's we're just we're just gonna ride this train. But I was wondering if you guys had ever. ever <laughs> so the song in in particular is "Heavy" by Collective Soul. Um, well, that's the point, right? Just, just ride the train. Sorry, just ride the train. Continue. <laughs> um. Apparently, I look, I look like a complete asshole right now. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's fine. We're we're just gonna move on. Um, so for for whatever whatever fucking reason, I do not know why. There are two versions of this song. They only differ by one second, and it's the okay. beginning second. And it's literally, do you hear the do you hear the guitar riff in just your right ear, and then the song starts, or is it right ear, left ear? And then it starts. And I think one version is on the actual album. One version is on the Greatest Hits album. And it's the sort of thing where I thought it was a Mandela effect. I really thought, like, it, am I just, like, did I make up the fact that I heard this riff twice? And then I real, and then on, you know, the beauty that is streaming music where you can get two versions of the same song, I realized, I think it's on the Greatest Hits. It's the one-second shorter version. And then on the regular track, it's the two-second version. And I just, I cannot think of any other... So obviously there's different versions of songs but usually it's like oh it's a remix oh it's the extended but literally where it's like we changed it by one second and there's two existing versions out there and we and i, I have googled this you can't find anyone talking about it because obviously it's one second of a like late 90s early 2000s band who gives a shit but it just like once i realized like i wasn't making it up i could not let it go and then I and then I was also like, well, which one's fucking better? Like, and again, it's it's one second, it's one musical choice. That's it. The rest of the song is exactly the same. But I mean, it haunts sometimes me. things like that happen with like you know, if you're gonna do a greatest hits with tracks that you know might have been sequenced to go seamlessly on the album or something like that. Right. You'll have little different cuts there. I don't know if that's what happened here or not. But I mean, it's the first. Uh, it's the first track of the greatest hits album. So whatever that means i don't i actually don't know what track order it was on the album it came out on but uh i feel like okay i'm trying to figure this out here uh 
Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. There's like a. I don't know. There's some there's some YouTube that seemed to indicate that they may have re-recorded this song. Hmm. But then that I don't know. I think that YouTube might be uh false. I don't know. That so, may that might just they might never. have just said that. Like it just that's the only reference I can see that it was like re-recorded for this greatest hit CD. It that's says weird. Collective Soul. No, no, that's like the cover of it. Re-recorded greatest hits. Hold on, let me let me track this down a little more. Oh. Oh, so is this like a Taylor Swift situation? Uh, maybe. So I, I just I just pulled it. So the the original album version is the the two riff version. It's two minutes and fifty five seconds. And then on on the greatest hits version, which is the version I heard it first, it's two fifty three. So I yeah. guess I, I was off by a second. But. Yeah. So the uh, greatest hits of back catalog tracks re recorded by the current version of the band was a Walmart exclusive with their 2015 album see what you started by continuing terrible name wow terrible terrible name <laughs> I, I like this band and that's a terrible name uh, uh okay yeah so that sounds like it might solve your mystery there taylor yeah well, well I think but but the greatest hits that i had that had the shorter version i bought at circuit city of all fucking things it was when they were going out of business uh um, yeah that's and, not and, that's not the it, real wait huh so the, the the one I the one I had first was off the seven year itch, which, of course, I mean I get it. They it's a seven year greatest hits, but of course the seven they actually put an actual seven because, of course they did. But anyway, so that's the version that's two fifty three. So that was the first greatest hits album I believe. But then the album that it originally, sorry, came out on, was Dosage. Um, trying to figure out when that came out. I don't know, but. So anyway, that that would crack it if that was the greatest hits version I had. And honestly, God, the rest of the song sounds exactly the same. And I'm not, I'm not saying I've got the two hundred. I'm sorry, my mistake. I do have the two hundred dollar headphones. I don't have the two thousand dollar headphones. But like every other note of the song sounds exactly the same. It's just one version has two seconds more at the beginning, one more guitar riff, and just like a, a half beat of silence, and then. Uh yeah. Rest, I mean, and the rest is all the same. Uh, it's not. I mean, it's it's just. It's not unusual for a band to change, uh, to have the option to change things for their greatest hit CDs. Like they go back to the master. Like, I mean, sometimes they remaster the songs, but sometimes they just, uh, you know, they fuck around with it in that process. Like, uh, yeah. some bands. Yeah, I mean, I you know, like to go back to the Smashing Pumpkins, like for their second greatest hit CD, or for their yeah, the second greatest hit CD. No, that's the first greatest hit CD. But this, like, they, they like one of the B sides they include in the second disc, like they just like re did a different mix of the same song, you know, like changed. But, but it probably said uh, like real love, like the Machina too. Like uh, they kind of cleaned up the mix of it, so his like vocals. But are but it says shit. like remix or clean mix or it's got some other some, name. Some, right? No, sometimes not. Sometimes not. Yeah. They, they're just like ah oh, yeah we we you know, it, no not always. All right, fair uh, there's no law, <laughs> you know. There's no law that says hey for the greatest hit CD. It's like oh yeah remember that like remember how we wanted to start a little more fun facts like, like yeah and like if the, you're just relying on streaming the idiot. Yeah. Huh? What? Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, more fun facts in the streaming era. You know, you uh, they're always putting out new and weird uh, masters and remasters without telling you. And so you're not really listening to, like, the same version of uh, uh, shit. You know, Johnny Mitchell's name keeps coming into my mind, as you were in the 70s or something like that. Which is obviously true, if, even considering the vinyl to digital thing. But they, like, actively monkey with the the levels on some of these things and uh yeah uh, a lot of times if you have it on cd you could be getting a totally different digital experience even from what's on streaming now yeah yeah fair enough fair enough but but it's i don't know it's just the fact that like it's like only one choice and the rest of it's different you know you know what the film equivalent of this is i i found out after the fact so there's a heat director's cut and Mm -hmm. literally literally they just all michael mann did was use one alternate shot somewhere of this it's the same scene just like an alternate take and then he like cut out a line from the famous al pacino because she's got a great ass like they like they they cut like hank Azaria saying something that he improvised and that's it that that is the only change like the runtime is exactly the same that's it that's what Um, i would do i would be like yeah there were these two things that still fucking bother me i'm changing them (laughs) I mean, fair enough. It's not even that they're bad choices. It's just for them to be like, this is the director's cut. It's like, it's, it's not any, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> wow. Maybe he hates the whole idea of commercially exploiting via director's cuts, and this was his fuck you to the idea. I mean, compare that to Oliver Stone, who, I mean, first of all, there's never been more cuts of a movie that I'm aware of than Alexander. Um that's too bad where it's like here's alexander here's alexander the director's cut here's alexander the final cut here's alexander the ultimate cut like how much effort was put into a movie no one gave a shit about like nobody yeah um but where i was actually going with this is that you actually cannot see the version of any given sunday that i saw in theaters that most people saw in theaters because he recut it for the home video release to like add some more stuff and do alternate takes and cut a monologue and which is like fine you can release a different version of a movie but you you can never replicate that experience of whatever i saw in the theater which also introduced a little mandela effect for me because i just remember there i remember like anytime i rewatch the movie i'm like well, didn't pacino have like another monologue maybe i just imagined it and then i read right online like nope you saw that monologue in the theater and then he remixed the movie and it uh, it just says like director's edition in very small font on the bottom um that's the only but then you're like oh wait wow. there's some dude's eyeball like on the field i definitely don't remember that from the movie um <laughs> i don't know i just i always wow. find it fascinating when like original cuts that were released like you know the infamous i mean like star wars can you watch the originals and is there any way to see them anymore yes if you um i actually have a friend who has like prized dvds that are the hong kong rip of the laser discs so no is your answer (laughs) well no no here's here's my point right it is yeah some of them it's like like, visually no one one bothered with any given sunday like to do that yeah yeah well and also like even battlefield earth the version that was released in theaters was even worse and so like they deleted some footage for the home video release like there's some stuff i distinctly remember that like is not in there anymore. And again, like I went online and it's like, Nope, this scene was so terrible that even in one of the worst movies of all time, they just, they just cut it out and you'll never see it again. Uh, Oh, that movie is so bad. I hate it so much. I I mean, Paul, you literally broke the disc in half. I know it's been 20 years and all I can remember is that that movie sucked. I mean, you're not wrong. Like that's the thing I was like, 
you, I mean, I know teenage me got more bent out of joint about shit like that, but I remember at the time just being like, yeah, I can't even be that mad at you. Like, it really is. That, <laughs> <laughs> that movie, like, probably made me more angry than any movie I've ever seen. I don't know why. Because it's, it's so one bad. of the worst movies of all time. I mean, you're, you're th- th- this is okay. Like, <laughs> uh, so I feel about so Rollerball. There you go. Well, good music podcast, everybody. Yeah, good music. Good deal. I had fun. It's good to have you back, Taylor. Yeah, I. You know, it was actually a lot more fun to just be like there are no expectations well let me back up not that you guys ever had any expectations but like i had expectations for myself in terms of like i'm doing the research i'm gonna do this and do that with this it's just like yeah I, I, you know i saw some person with a with a black pink shirt and so i listened to the song and i liked it yeah so here we figured this out it took us way too long to figure that out <laughs> it's more fun or just like hey, listen, to, listen to a couple things uh maybe and, uh, let me all right. Now. Let me let me ask this: Has the pod ever played? Have you checked your butthole? No. Then we no. should close it out with that. All right. We can do that for you. Tom I, Tom Cardi Tom Cardi is the artist. I leave it to Joe to find that song. I will put up it his in. butthole. I think it's it. He had to use uh, the initials. Yes. All right. Well, Taylor, thank you for coming on again. And, uh, My genuine pleasure. Yeah. We'll talk to you bros soon. Good night. So, wait, are you actually going to play the song, or you just add it in post? Yeah, I mean, I'm, no, we'll just, I'll, I'll just add it. Yes, yes, so you don't stop. Cool like the best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mom. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast. Slightly above average at least, nah, preference is relative, my reference is consistently, uh, bring you to another vicinity, I hit you with the riddles consistently, dead in the middle, a little triply, little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil, love is a flower, see how, dissolving the power, is dissolving the hours as well, the tower, a bell at the top of it, a hawk, a pigeon, a dove, a vision of love, eagle a falcon even the gold coin in the talon that would um prophesize upon earlier papyruses gaze into the irises of infinite osiruses hieroglyphical visual style habitual scriptural uh kick verses verses ghosts hovering above them cold stuttering skips in the tape a vision of lake a cold cloud field shrouded and secluded upon a winding road <laughs> nature and existence are the same thing basically swerve through the curves amazingly Paint me like a surgical portrait of your soul's wild energy. Wow, that's beautiful. Bless. Have a nice dream. Peace, Allah. Aztec yoga. Kool Aid. Allah. Woo, woo. Ja Rasta. Woo. Hey, Taylor. Have you checked your butthole? <laughs>